book of Proverbs, chapter number 23. Amen. Remember tonight's service at 6.30, prayer at 6, be free at 5 o'clock. Amen. I feel like I have a message tonight for uh, not only for our young folks, but for everybody. Remember family prayer tomorrow night. Next weekend's going to be an awesome day. We're calling it Throwback Sunday. We're going to have a lot of older songs. And uh, Brother Mike Wilson's going to be here. Not that he's older, but he is older than me. Um, but we're going to have we're going to have him here. And, uh, and we're going to have some older songs. And then Brother Mike Bingham, he's used to preach here a lot in the 80s. He's going to be preaching next Sunday night. Looking forward to a great time uh, next Sunday. The book of Proverbs, chapter number 23. If you found it, say praise the Lord. Amen. Y'all aren't very convincing this morning. If you found it, say praise the Lord. Well, that's why. Amen. People don't bring their Bibles anymore because we cheat. And then when the cheat don't work, then we're in trouble. How many will trust me to read it just like it says? All right. Proverbs 23 and 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Amen. I want to preach this morning on the as if principle. The as if principle. God, have your way. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost move. Let the Word of God enter somebody's heart and set captives free in Jesus' name. God, I pray, Lord, that you would confirm your Word with signs following, that there would be a demonstration of your Spirit and power in this place today. God, I'm asking you, Lord, for you to do a work that only you can do, not by power and not by might, but by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise as you're being seated this morning. The definition of the word principle is a fundamental, a fundamental thought that serves as a foundation for a system of belief or behavior. Fundamental. Principle comes from a Latin word that means foundation. So when we talk about a principle, what we're talking about is something that is foundational to our lives, foundational to our faith. What I'm presenting to you this morning, in my prayerful opinion, should become a fundamental part of the way we live our lives, every single one of us. The wise writer of the Proverbs under the direction of God said that our thinking affects who we are, not who we are affects our thinking. As we think, so we are. Your mindset determines your direction. The title of this message comes from something I studied about a Harvard-educated philosopher and psychologist named William James. William James was actually the very first educator to offer a psychology course in the United States. Up until him, psychology was never regarded as a field of study in university. He's regarded, Mr. James is regarded as one of the leading thinkers of the 19th century. 
He has been called one of the most influential philosophers the United States has ever produced and has also been labeled the father of American psychology. A survey ranked James as one of the most cited psychologists of the 20th century. William James was born in 1842 in New York City to an independently wealthy, well-connected, eccentric father. During his life, he rubbed shoulders with the likes of Ralph Waldo Emerson, Mark Twain, Sigmund Freud, Oliver Wendell Holmes, Theodore Roosevelt, Henry David Thoreau, Alfred Lord Tennyson, Horace Greeley, among others. Perhaps his most significant contribution to us is something that is referred to as the as-if theory or the as-if principle. Most people think that if I feel happy, then I will smile. James' theory is actually the opposite. If you'll smile, you'll feel happier. So I want everybody to smile. I see one that's not smiling. There we go. Amen. I'm going to look. I want you to keep your smile. Trevor, there you go. Amen. It has been scientifically proven that people who smile feel happier after they smile. We think that we feel happy then we smile, but science has said that if you smile, you'll feel happier. If you behave like a certain type of person, you will become that person. Decades of research has proven the point. Studies show that asking someone to smile makes them feel happier. It has been proven in scientific studies that if someone will cross their arms while they're doing something difficult, that they actually will stay on task longer. So when someone folds their arms, that might mean that they're just trying to finish a job. Having someone squeeze their hand into a fist increases willpower by 40%. Harvard research shows that if you take people in their 70s and 80s and get them to act younger, that they actually, it actually improves their memory and their reaction time actually becomes faster simply by getting them to act younger. Asking a procrastinator to spend just three minutes acting as if they found the task interesting makes them more likely to complete the job. MIT research shows that if you have people sit in a hard chair and negotiate the price of a used car, that they save 30% than those sitting in soft chairs. And so if you're going to go buy a used car, take your own chair. <laughs> the point is that tiny changes in behavior have a big impact on thought and feelings. It's not just positive thinking, it's positive action. Everybody say action. Dr. Ken Christian says that it is moving yourself internally to a position that says, if I step out, something good will happen. Amen. If I step out, something good will happen. Acting as if 
is the moment that you exercise your faith and take action towards your destiny. At some point, at some point, if you're going to get something from God and do something with your life, at some point you'll have to suspend your unbelief and have to act on your faith. Sometimes people forget that the God that brought them where they are still has greater things for them. Amen. Let me say that again. The God that brought you where you are still has greater things for you. Amen. Let me say it a third time. That the God that brought you where you are still has greater things for you. One of the hardest tasks I have as a pastor is to get people to believe that God has greater plans for your future than what you're experiencing right now. Amen. I've come to preach a little bit to you. And I just, I just now remember to start my timer. And so all that was free to me. 355 years ago, a shipload of travelers landed on the eastern coast of the United States of America. The first year, they established a town site. The next year, they elected a town government. The third year, the town government planned to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. In the fourth year, the people tried to impeach their town government because they thought it was a waste of public funds to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. Why would we possibly need to go five miles west? It's too far. You have to remember that these were the exact same people that just three years before had loaded on a ship, set sail for 3,000 miles across an ocean to build a town where there was nothing. But in just three years, their mentality had changed to where they had once had 3,000-mile vision now they didn't even have five-mile vision. Negativity had overcome their faith. They used to be able to see continents from 3,000 3, miles across the ocean, but now they couldn't see a road three, five miles over the next hill. The book of Joel describes a very negative situation for Israel. The prophet said in chapter number 1, in verse 4 and 5, that which the palmer worm hath left, hath the locust eaten, and that which the locust hath left, hath the cankerworm eaten, and that which the cankerworm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten. Awake, ye drunkards, and weep and howl, all ye drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. The prophet painted a very negative situation for Israel. It was a wave after wave after wave of trial and problem, and enemy. A palmer worm, the Bible said, that which the palmer worm hath left. A palmer worm is the larvae of a certain kind of moth. It is a fuzzy little worm that eats the leaves off the fruit trees. A palmer was someone who they were known to go and travel to holy sites. They would go to, to Israel and Jerusalem and visit holy sites and they would collect palm branches off the trees and bring them home as proof of their journey, as sort of like souvenirs of their trip. And so the palmer 
became known as someone that would get a palm branch from some famous place and bring it home as a souvenir. The palmer worm is, is this animal that just seems to go and it takes what it wants and it brings it back. The palmer worm, it eats according to, according to the source. It's a, a fuzzy worm that eats the leaves off the fruit trees. The palmer worm wants to destroy the fruit off of the tree. It consumes the fruit and it takes it away from the tree. I will tell you that there is an enemy of your soul that wants to zap you of your fruitfulness. Amen. It seems it comes as small things. It comes here and comes there and it wants to take something from your life and to take your fruitfulness and end you, if, if you will end up in a fruitless condition in the eyes of the Lord. After the palmer worm comes and it takes the fruit, then comes the locust. The locust is basically a grasshopper. Under certain conditions, the locust begins to swarm and becomes a destructive agent. A, a swarm of locusts can come and they will eat all of the grain and all of the grass off the land. This swarming phase of the locust is usually brought on by drought. When things begin to get dry, the locusts begin to swarm and they begin to take away the, all the vegetation in their path. Steve Rogers of Cambridge University said that swarms are born of desperation, driven by hunger. When things begin to get dry, locusts begin to swarm and devour all of the grass and all of the grain, clearing the soil without the grass they can't hold the moisture. And so before long, what once was a fruitful field is now a desert because of the locust that came. May I tell you, there is an enemy that wants to swarm and take all of your joy and all of your peace and all of your walk with God. Amen. And it starts when you begin to get dry. The locust swarm when things begin to get dry. What, that's why we need to be well watered in our worship and in our prayer and in our service to God. Because as we begin to dry out, that's when the enemy begins to swarm in your life. May I tell you that the worst thing you can possibly do is accept spiritual dryness in your life unchallenged. When you have that urge to not worship, you got to resist that urge. When you have the urge to not pray, you've got to resist that urge. Amen. Because as you begin to dry out, the enemy of your soul begins to swarm. After the locust comes the canker worm. The canker worm is a larva of another kind of moth. And this canker worm's diet is focused on the buds of a plant. When the, the new buds, the buds of new life begins to form on a plant, that is exactly what the canker worm likes to eat. It doesn't like the old growth. It doesn't like the old leaves. It doesn't like the old grass. It likes the buds, the fresh buds of new life. May I tell you there is an enemy that every time that God wants to do something new in your life, there is an enemy of your soul that wants to take that new life out. That if you begin to show sparks of new worship, that enemy wants to destroy that spark of worship. If you just begin to show signs of a prayer life, the enemy will come and try to take the bud of that fresh anointing out of your life. 
When you begin to start trying to come to church and get your life together, you'll have an enemy that'll come to try to get you to stop and not make that new step towards God. I'm telling you, it's wave after wave after wave of the enemy. After, after the canker worm. So you notice the palmer worm eats the leaves. The locust eats the grass. The canker worm eats the new life, the buds. And then comes the caterpillar. The caterpillar, the word caterpillar in the original language means to devour or to consume. A caterpillar, it looks harmless. It's a, I mean, what kid hasn't, hasn't picked up a caterpillar? Right? The, the, the little fuzzy caterpillar. And how, what child hasn't liked to play? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I preaching to anyone here today yet? Amen. That, it looks like it's completely harmless. Right now, it's, it's, it seems as if there's no, there's no harm in that sweet little caterpillar just crawling along. But in numbers, each one takes a little bit. And in numbers, they consume and devour everything that's in their path. Whatever is left from the previous attack, the caterpillar comes and it consumes it. Amen. The caterpillar referred to by Joel is actually an early phase of the locust. It is beginning. It is, it is the beginning of a fresh wave of a swarm of locusts. In this particular passage of scripture, that caterpillar was a locust that was not yet fully developed. And so what it represented was just when you thought you had survived this wave of attack, there's a brand new wave coming right after it. Just when you thought you endured the worst of what the enemy could do, there's a fresh wave of the enemy that's coming. When they saw that caterpillar, what they thought back was to the destruction that the locust had left just a few weeks before. And now it's getting ready to start all over again. Oh, God, help me to preach to somebody that you thought, man, I've come this far and I've made it. But then you begin to see signs of the enemy coming in. And that enemy, you think, I don't know if I can endure another wave of attack from the enemy. But look what happened. It was one after the other after the other. It was the palmer worm, and then it was the locust, and then it was the caterpillar, or then the canker worm, and then the caterpillar, and it's one after the other, after the other. How am I ever going to get anywhere with God if it's one problem after another problem after another problem? Just when I endured this, then this came, and I got through this, and then that came. And when that came, then look, the brand new, it seems like it's starting all over again. Oh God. I'm trying to help somebody today that you feel like lately your life has been one string of battle after another after another you feel like your like it's been one struggle after another struggle one battle after another battle and just when you got victory over this then this came and then when you got through this then that came am i preaching to anybody here that feels like you've been going through one thing after another after another how what should my response be when i what can i do when I feel like I'm in the crosshairs of one wave of attack. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I don't know if you've ever really dealt. And I really, honestly, I do. That's more of a rhetorical, more of a rhetorical statement. But I, I've been in places where it felt like it took everything I had 
just to survive what I was going through. And just when I felt a breath of fresh air, as if the, as if the palmer worm has finally left, I, the next time I turn around, here comes the locust, uh, and it's taken what's ever left. And just, I, I endured it. I don't know how I made it through, but somehow, and just when I thought I was finally at a turning point and stuff was going to start heading up, then came the next wave. But somehow I endured that. And then I opened my eyes. And what did I see? The caterpillar. The brand new fresh wave. Like it's starting all over again. Maybe, maybe I, I, I'm trying to preach a message of faith. But before I can get to faith, I got to get you to understand that God knows exactly what you're going through. God knows exactly what you're dealing with. God understands what it's like when you don't want to roll out of bed in the morning because you're afraid of what might happen later in the day. So what do I do? When it's palmer worm, locust, canker worm, caterpillar. What do I do? When it feels like the trials of my life just keep recycling over and over and over. And it feels like there's never an end to it. There's never time to catch your breath. There's never time just to take a deep breath and say, whew, I don't have a battle today. I finally have a day. Anybody ever feel, do you just like to have one day where you're not stressed out? You like to have just one day when you don't feel like the devil's got you in his crosshairs. You'd like to have just one day when you feel like your kids aren't on the verge of breaking down, when your marriage isn't stressed to the limit, when your finances and you don't know how I'm going to pay every. Would you like to just have one day where you don't have to worry about the palmer worm and the locust and the canker worm and the caterpillar? So what do I do? What can I do? When I'm in the crosshairs of wave after wave of attack from the enemy. And every day seems like a new enemy. Here's what you do. You use the as if principle. Look what Joel said in chapter 2 and verse 21. This is the same prophet in the same book. He just said that which the palmer worm has left has the locust eaten. And that which the locust has left hath the cankerworm eaten. And that which the cankerworm has left has the caterpillar eaten. Wave after wave of attack of the enemy. What do I do? Here's what I do. Joel chapter number 2 and verse 21. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice. For the Lord has done great things. Be glad and rejoice. Fear not, O land. You know, he's preaching to the land. Why is he preaching to the land? Because the land is what the enemy's attacking. What he's preaching to are the people that are in the exact crosshair of the enemy that's coming after them. He's not preaching to the angels and the sun and the stars and the moon and the sky. He's preaching to the land that has lost and suffered and been attacked and gone through it. He says, land, I know you faced the palmer worm. I know you faced the locust. I know that the caterpillar and the canker worm have taken their toll. But here's what you do. Be glad and rejoice. Not because the Lord has done great things. But be glad and rejoice for the Lord will do great things. Here's what he said. Act like he's already brought you out. 
act like you've already got victory. Act like you've already been delivered. Act like you've already been restored. Act like you've already got joy. Act like you've already got peace. He said, you've got to act like it before it happens. Our human reasoning says, if God will bring me out, I'll shout. If God will bring me out, I'll worship. If God will help me, I'll show up. That's backward. The Bible said, as a man thinks, so is he. I'm going to act like a winner when I feel like a loser. I'm going to act like I got joy when I've been weeping all night long. You've got to understand. He said, for the Lord will do great things. The magnitude of what God will do may just determine on how you act before he does it. I'm preaching a principle to you. I'm preaching a life principle. I'm going to tell you something I've noticed over my Years of pastoring and preaching. Started preaching in, well, I, I did a, a few before, but really I started seriously preaching in 1989. If you weren't born yet in 1989, raise your hand up high. I can't stand any of you all. <laughs> Just don't take that how I meant it. been preaching a long time tell you what I've learned the best time to worship is when you feel like worshiping the least and the best time to act like you have joy is when you feel the least joy and the best time to act like you got victory is when you've been broken down to almost nothing because it's a biblical principle it's a biblical principle that before you ever get the breakthrough, you got to fear not, you got to be glad, and you got to rejoice because those are the prerequisites to God doing great things in your life. The worst thing you can do if you're going through a trial is sit there like I'm not preaching to you at all. The worst thing you can do is sit there like God is not anywhere because your response will determine your deliverance. It's a principle. It's a principle in life that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Let me tell you, don't, my God, I'm about to feel a boldness come on me. But let me just tell you, I'm getting ready to rebuke some people in Jesus' name. With the love of the Lord, don't you ever say, I don't know if I can make it. Don't you ever say, I don't know if I can do this. Don't you ever say, I'm going to quit and I'm not going back and I'm not going to work. Don't you ever say that because the devil has ears. And once you speak it out, he understands that he's this close to breaking you down. So you got to speak words of faith. I am going to make it. I am going to go. I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm a winner. I'm victorious. It's the as-if principle. I'm preaching, uh, say he's preaching the Bible. Look at somebody close to you and say, he's preaching the Bible. That's what the Bible says. Fear not, O Lamb, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. And in verse 23, then God does. Be glad, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately. Amen. 
Now notice, let, let's get this picture right. Let's get this picture right. That when you have nothing, when the palmer worm, the locust, the canker worm, and the caterpillar has destroyed everything, God says rejoice and be glad. For the Lord will do great things. And then I want God to send a hurricane from heaven to pour blessings down on me in a way that they can't. But look what, look what happens. Verse 23, be glad ye children of Zion, rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately. He didn't give me everything that I wish I had gotten. He gave me just a moderate blessing. I oh got I feel like I'm preaching to somebody right now. I got just enough to make it a little longer. I wanted him to give me enough to make it for the rest of my life, but he gave me just enough to make it, to give me a chance to worship a little bit more. If you'll worship over your little blessings, you might unlock the door to your great blessings. But if you can't worship over a moderate blessing, you may never get a great blessing. Everything's not perfect, but you know what? I'm alive, I've got breath, here I am. Everything's not wonderful, everything's not exactly how I wish it was, but God, I'm still in the fight, so I'm gonna bless you and praise you for what you have done. Amen. Don't ever discount the little things that God does for you. Somebody ought to praise him right now for a moderate blessing. Somebody ought to praise him just because you're still alive. You're still here. You're still in the fight. You're going through stuff. You're going through trials. But God, Woo, Jesus have mercy. I wish somebody would praise him. I wish somebody just with a moderate blessing. You see the progression of what he's doing? You see the progression of what's going on? I have, I have been destroyed by the palmer worm and the locust. I'm trying my best to keep them in order like the Bible listed them. The palmer worm and the locust, the caterpillar, or the canker worm, the canker worm and the caterpillar. They've taken, they, they've stripped me of everything spiritually so I have nothing left. But then God gave me just enough to make it a little longer. Amen. He gave me the rain moderately. Whew, hallelujah. It, it, it might not have seemed like much to anybody else, but to me it was enough just to keep me going for a little bit longer. Amen, I'm not on top of the mountain, but he gave me enough just to make it a little while longer. Let me tell you, some of you, if it wasn't for the moderate rain, you wouldn't be here right now because God made a way where there seemed to be no way. He kept you just a little bit longer when it looked like everything was gonna crush you. Here you are, you're still here. You ought to thank God that you had enough moderate rain to still be here. Hey! But if you'll praise him for the moderate rain, my God, I feel something here. He will cause. Woo! You see, man, I wish I had to, Brother Travis, every, every time I say this, you give me another pointer, and every time you do, I lose it. I wish if I had a pointer, I'd point right there to, he will cause. If you'll worship 
for the moderate rain, he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain, a double portion of what you worship God for in its little bit, he'll give a double portion if you'll just keep on praying. You gotta act as if. It's a principle in life. It's a principle in life that if you'll act like it, you'll get it. He'll cause to come down. Can you worship over half full? Can you worship over a little full? Because he said if you do, the vats will overflow. Is that what the Bible says? Is that what the Bible says? He'll cause for you to come down the former rain and the latter rain. Look at verse number 24. And the floors shall be full of wheat. You got to praise him when you got nothing. And you got to praise him when you got a little. And then he said, I'll fill your floors up. You'll be overflowing. I'll get everything the enemy ate. I'll pour it. I'll fill you up with what the enemy stole from you. Jesus, have mercy. Hallelujah. The floors shall be. Everybody say, they shall be. I want somebody to say, my floor shall be full. Come on, say, my, fo- my floor shall be full. The Bible said in the fats. Everybody say, the fats. Don't, don't look at me. That fat is actually a vat. It's a, it's a container. He said they will overflow with wine and oil. I'm going to fill you to overflowing. But it doesn't happen if you can't praise him when you got nothing and keep praising him when you got a little because if you'll keep acting as if the next step If you'll keep on worshiping and keep on with him and keep on serving, uh, there's an overflow of the blessings of God coming for your family. Don't you give up when it's hard. Don't you give up when it's difficult. Don't you give up when it's negative. Don't you give up when it looks like you can't make it. You just keep going and keep going because there's an overflow on its way. I'm preaching a principle in your life. Now look, look, and I will, verse 25, God have mercy, and I will restore to you. Not just the things, you can always get more things. But he said, I'm not just going to restore the things. I'm going to restore the years. I'm giving you your time back. Woo. You thought you were past your prime. You thought your time had come and gone. You thought it would never be your time for a miracle again. But if you'll put this principle in practice, that's a lot of peas. Put this principle in practice. You put this powerful principle in practical practice right now. If you'll do it, I'll not only restore the stuff that you missed out on, but I'll give you the time back. I'll restore your spiritual youth to you. You'll feel like you did before the enemy ever came in the first place. I'm going to give you back the years 
that the locust and, and the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. I'm going to give it back. I'm preaching a biblical principle. I'm preaching a principle that you need to make part of your life every single day. When you wake up in the morning, you got to practice this as if principle. You can't roll out and say, well, I don't know if I'm going to make it today. You better roll out of bed and say, God, I'm planning on making it today. I'm planning on being victorious today. I'm praising you already for the blessings of my day. God, I'm praising you right now for the altar service we're getting ready to have. I'm praising you for the light coming on in somebody's mind. You got to practice the as if principle, the foundational principle of victory in your life. Habakkuk, chapter number three, in verse 17, one of my favorite passages of scripture. Amen. Sister Trish Bingham, good to see you here. Amen. I, I, I said this the other night. I preached from this verse I'm getting ready to read in Key West when you all pastored down there when I was 19 years old. That's 30 bunch years ago. 31 years ago. Here's what the prophet said. Although the fig tree shall not blossom. Oh, that's bad. Oh, that's bad. Neither shall fruit be in the vines. Oh, that's even worse. The labor of the olive shall fail. That's not good. If I don't have the olive, I don't have any oil. If I don't have oil, I can't cook. I don't have anointing. I don't have light in my vessel. The field shall yield no meat. That means there's not going to be any grain, no corn, no wheat, no barley, no rye, no, no grain. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there'll be no herd in the stalls. That's bad. That's bad. What do I do when, it's, when everything looks like it's going against me? Verse number 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I can't praise for my fig tree because my fig tree's ruined. And I can't praise for my fruit vines because they're ruined. And I can't praise for my olive harvest because it's ruined. And I can't praise for my fields because they're ruined. And I can't praise for my flocks and my herds because they're gone. But what can I rejoice about? I will rejoice in the Lord. Because when my fields and my flocks are no good, God still is. When I can't count on my harvest, I can count on my God. When I can't count on my fields, I can count on my Savior. I will rejoice in the Lord. God, I don't have my stuff, but I got you. Oh, I wish somebody praise him right now. Even if you feel like everything you've relied on has been broken, ruined, and taken, you still got God. And when you've got God, you still got a chance. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I don't have to have a fig tree to be saved, I don't have to have a fruit vine to be saved. I don't have to have an olive tree to be saved. I don't have to have a field full of grain to be saved. And I don't need flocks and fields to be saved. All I need is the God of my salvation. As long as I know I'm saved, I can make it through anything. He said, you got to act. Even when you got nothing, you got to act like you've got everything. 
Verse 19, the next verse. The Lord God is my strength, present tense. No matter what you're going through, my fig trees are still ruined. My fruit vines are still ruined. My flocks and fields and grain are still gone. But in the middle of all that, God is still my strength. I'm still here. I'm still alive. I'm still going. Everything's not perfect, but I've still got God, and God's given me the strength to make it. Look, you shouldn't be, some of you shouldn't be here right now. You should have already been in the grave. If, you, if people in the world would have gone through what you've been through, they wouldn't be here. But here you are after all the stuff and all the mess and all the things the enemy has sent against you. You're still here. How is that? It's because God has been your strength when you had. I'm preaching a mindset this morning. I'm preaching a principle to life. God is my strength. And he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will. Everybody say will. Everybody say he will. And he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon my high places. Amen, I just got a text from the other side of the world. Somebody's watching our live feed. They said this message is for them. I'm gonna tell you, if God will use this message to speak to somebody on the other side of the world, God's using it to speak to somebody right here in this room. Amen. You gotta learn a principle in life that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. I'm walking by faith. I'm gonna act as if I got victory because I understand the God that I serve. Woo, I wish somebody would do it right now. My God in heaven. Can I preach just a minute or two more? Amen. If you'll stay till the end, you can have a ham dinner. For price. Psalms 118, 24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice. Woo. We will rejoice. We will rejoice. Somebody has been going through hell on earth. You need to tell yourself, I will rejoice. Somebody has been dealing with the devil all week long. Ought to say, we will rejoice. A husband and wife that's been fighting the devil. You ought to just take your husband or wife by the hand and say, we will rejoice. And then you ought to do more than talk about it. You ought to do it right now. We will rejoice. We will rejoice. Now look, here's what that verse does not say. Here's what that verse does not say. That verse does not say, this is the Lord day which the Lord has made. I will be glad, then rejoice in it. That is not what that verse says. Right? That's not what that verse says. If you're waiting for it to get better before you rejoice, you might as well get used to what you're going through. If you're gonna wait until it's over to shout, then you're never gonna get to shout. But if you'll learn this principle, 
that I'm going to act like I got victory before I even got it. I'm going to act like I got joy when I don't even have it. I will rejoice. Some of you need to settle that phrase in your mind right now. I will rejoice. I'm making the transition into being a prophetic worshiper because my worship determines my deliverance. I will rejoice and be glad. Your gladness comes after your rejoice. Well, now let's look at the very next verse. That's verse 24. Look at verse 25. Save now. Whoa, 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 back up now. Wait, wait, what, what? They're not even saved yet. They're not delivered yet. They still got their enemies. They still got their battle. They still got the enemy against them. They've not even been delivered yet. They're not waiting on their deliverance to be glad and rejoice. They're gonna be glad and rejoice when they're still not delivered. He said, now, now God, I've, I've done my part. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. I've done my part. I've acted like I had victory when I didn't have victory. I acted like I had it when I didn't have it. I'm still not saved. I'm still not delivered. I've still not been set free. Let me tell somebody that's battling addiction right now. You ought to praise God like you've been delivered from your addiction before. And that may pave the way for your addiction to be delivered from. Amen. You're going through trial in your life. You ought to worship God like your trial's already over. I'm preaching a biblical principle. I'm all over the Bible today. I'm preaching a principle to your life that if you'll act if, a principle that if I live this way, say now I beseech thee. Oh God, if you'll help me out of this mess, then God, I will worship you. Don't you lie. If you'd have worshipped you before, you wouldn't have gotten that mess. The locusts came when you got dry. The swarms start when you get dry. The swarm never would have came if you wouldn't have let yourself get dry. Oh, God, I better back up here. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. I didn't have prosperity. I learned to rejoice and be glad when I wasn't prosperous. Here's my message. There will be times of struggle in your life. You're going to have times when your spouse stresses you. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. <laughs> there will be times when your spouse stresses me. You're going to have times when your kids stress you. You're going to have times when your health stresses you. You're going to have times when your finances stress you. You're going to have times when they all stress you at the same time. What am I going to do when that happens? I'm going to understand a principle. It's the as if principle. If I want to be strong, I got to act strong. If I want to be a prayer warrior, then I got to pray. If I want to be free, I got to act free. I'm preaching a principle to our lives. I'm an overcomer because I act like an overcomer. I'm victorious because I do what a winner does. Anthropologists and scientists and sociologists, I'm coming to a close here. 
have determined that there's one sign of victory. It doesn't matter if you're in the savannas and, and jungles of Africa, the steppes of Asia, the villages and towns and bergs of Europe or the gleaming cities and fruitful plains of America. Everywhere around the world, there's one sign that when somebody wins, they instinctively raise their hand. It's, it's instinct. They don't have to be taught. No, nobody anywhere around the world, the, from, from the Inuits in, in, the, in the Arctic region all the way to, to, the, the, to the savannas of Africa, nobody says, tells the little babies, now look, when you win, raise your hands. But when they win, they just automatically. It's a human response. It's, it's, it's put, put down inside of us. But there's a response to victory. There's something instinctively that happens. And so what I've learned to do is I will lift up my hands in the sanctuary and I will bless the Lord. Even when I don't necessarily feel a reason to lift my hands, I understand that I got a principle in life. I've got a spiritual principle at play here. And I've got to initiate the response from God. Amen. Stand with me. I'm closing. I went to a football game many years ago. Sister Rita Cook, I went with your brother Ronnie. He, he had never been to, a, to an Ole Miss football game. This was, man, this was years and years and years and years ago. He had never been and he wanted to go. Somebody had given a couple of tickets, so I took him. And, uh, and we, we went in the stadium and I said, you want to go on the field? He says, well, I'd like to, but we're not allowed to. I said, here's what we're going to do. I said, we're going to walk out there like we belong there. I said, when we walk out there, don't you even look at the security guard. You walk right by him as if, if they stop you, they get fired on the spot. It's not against the law. It's just against their rules. I said, we're going to walk out there like we own the place. You walk out there with your head, head held high, and you walk as if you belong there, and you just keep walking. And my Lord, we walked all the way through that gate, right by the security, right out into the end zone. We're standing out there. They're throwing footballs around, and we're standing there taking pictures. I said, are you done? He said, I'm done. I said, let's walk back out. We walked back out, and the security guard said, were you supposed to be there? I said, no, and we kept right on walking. Sometimes in your life, if you want to get where you want to go, you got to act like you've already been there before. Sometimes you just got to put your fear to the side and say, by faith, I'm stepping out into a new territory, in a new place. I'm telling somebody, you got to step out from where you've been in your spirit and say, God, I understand I've had troubles, but I'm stepping out right now. I'm going to put this principle in action in my life. It's a principle, a found. Have I preached the Bible to you? Have I, pre I preached Proverbs. I preached Psalms. I preached Joel. I preached Habakkuk. I preached the Bible to you. I preached a scope of the scripture all through the Bible where the Bible says that if you'll act as if, you can have deliverance and victory. So here's what I challenge somebody to do. If you want deliverance, you ought to act like you'd been delivered right now. If you want the Holy Ghost, you ought to worship like you just got it. If you want healing, you ought to do what you would have done if he already healed you. If you need a breakthrough, you ought to give a breakthrough praise. 
Come on, I'm preaching a principle to your life that if you'll put it in action, you'll start walking in victory. I'm talking about floors being full and that's overflowing. I'm talking about an overflow of God's blessing. Hey, I'm preaching a blessing in your marriage, a blessing in your home, a blessing over your children, a blessing over your mind, a blessing over your heart, a blessing over your body. It's a principle in life. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. He'll make a way where there seems to be no way. I am the Lord and I fail not. I'm going to tell you how much you can take. You can take every little bit of it. As long as you practice this principle in your life. I wish somebody, I wish somebody hadn't raised their hands in a long time would reach them up to heaven. Like if you were trying to unscrew a light bulb. And I wish you'd lift your hands and say, God, I've lifted my hands in the sanctuary. I'm practicing a principle for my life. God, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to act as if. I'm going to lift my hands in victory when I feel defeated. Come on, somebody, I'm preaching to you right now. I can tell you that. I can tell you about it, but I can't make you do it. Hallelujah. Amen. Grab somebody by the hand. Lift their hands all over this place. Come on, lift somebody. The Bible said lift up the hands and confirm the feeble knees. Grab the hand of somebody that's going through something and lift it up and say, hey, you can make it. You can make it. You can do this. God's on your side. God's not going to leave you. You got the strength of the Lord. You're going to make it. Come on, I want you to say it out of your own mouth. I'm going to make it. Come on, I want you to say it out of your own mouth right now. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Come on, I want you to speak it out. I'm going to have victory. If you're not talking in tongues, I want you to say what I'm saying right now. I'm going to have victory. I'm going to be victorious. I'm going to have joy. My kids are going to make it. My marriage is going to make it. I'm not going to lose my mind. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to fail. Oh, come on. Say it out loud. I want you to keep saying it. I am victorious. Hallelujah. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. And 
once they had rejoiced, they had the right to say, save now. Amen. Can we take it a step further and say that if they don't practice the principle that they don't have the right to claim their deliverance, that that ability to say, deliver me, comes from the fact that I practiced what the Bible told me to do. And because I did it, I have the right to stand before God boldly and say, God, I've done what the preacher said do. I've done what your word said do. So God, now I'm waiting on you. I'm going to rejoice till you come. I'm going to praise till the rain falls. Oh, come on. I'm preaching a principle. I'm waiting on somebody just to go ahead and do it without me having to tell you anymore. Just to step out and do it. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. I'm just giving you time. I'm just giving you time to deliver yourself now. You don't need a preacher to lay hands on you. You need to get control of the principles of your life. Hey, I feel revival coming to somebody right now. I feel deliverance coming to somebody right now. I feel joy on the way. Oh, let it fall, God. Let their flow, let their floors be full of wheat. Let their vats overflow with wine and oil. Let a fresh anointing come. Restore the years that the enemy took out of them. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Man, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to stop, but I, I feel like I, I almost feel like I just have to kick some people out of that place you've been. That you let the devil keep you from doing anything spiritually for so long. You become so accustomed to the rut and the routine of failure. You've let yourself get locked into the routine routine of failure and emptiness and dryness and spiritual deadness that you don't know how to get free. And I'm trying to kick you out of that place. I'm trying to shake you out of there. If I got to run down to you, and if I got to run down to you and throw your hands up, then that's not the, that doesn't do you any good because you're not practicing the principle. If you got to have a preacher lay his hand on you every time you get something from God, you're a spiritual baby sucking on a bottle. What you need to do is grow up and learn to lift your hands on your own. That might be too hard for you, but it's still the truth. Somebody needs to grow out of your problem. You need to outgrow your trouble. You need to outgrow your circumstance by practice. Come on, let's do the principle. Y'all ready? If y'all don't sing, I'll never stop preaching. Come on, let's. Hey, every time I stop talking, y'all stop worshiping. I'm waiting on you to start worshiping so I can stop talking. Somebody needs a breakthrough. 
is over. No way to the victory is won. Just remember whatever God promised, it's yours and it's already done. So don't wait, don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. Shout
your body The doctor says you won't get well Oh, don't you fret, no, don't you worry Cause Jesus, he never fails So don't wait, don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. Shout now Oh, don't worry about the future Don't worry what lies ahead Oh, I've never seen a righteous forsaken Only seen begging for bread up in church and by the time we go out there we forget brother David I grew up in a day when it wasn't wrong to smack your baby's hand 
And I learned, Brother Benny, my, that if I went to reach for something that was dangerous to me, I'd get my hand smacked. My parents be in prison right now. It trained me not to touch things I wasn't supposed to touch. All right? Here's what I'm preaching to you right now. Is it's all right for you to shout in here when we're all together. But what you got to do is teach the devil that it hurts when he comes after you. Devil, if you're going to try to get me, you're going to have to get me. Every time you come at me, I'm just going to praise God. And if you want to get hurt, that's your business. And then when you come again, I'm going to praise him a little bit more. When you come again, I'm going to quote a scripture against you. Because what happens in here isn't the key to victory. What we've just done the last 10 minutes is not the key to victory. The key to victory is when you go home this afternoon and you feel like you're on the edge of a, of a breakdown instead of a breakthrough. That you just put in practice the principle until the devil's hand has been smacked so many times that he knows I better get my hands off of that person. Because every time I try to touch them, it hurts me more than it hurts them. It's a principle. It's a life principle. Amen. Go to your seats, except for Brother Ethan and Sister Anna and their family, any of their family that would like to come up. We're getting ready to dedicate this beautiful little girl. Look at how sweet she is. She's watching Brother Sergio play the piano. It sounds familiar, but he looks different. She's used to being her dad. Look at this family. Isn't this awesome? This awesome. Amen. This is Mila Quinn Tucker, born August the 2nd. I tried my best to get her to wait till the 11th. August the 2nd of this year, 7 pounds, 13 ounces, 19 inches long. What a beautiful little baby girl. Isn't she sweet as she can be? I mean, we don't baptize because the Bible says that baptism comes if you believe. And a baby doesn't have the ability to believe. But what we do is we dedicate babies to the Lord. It's a biblical precedent, and the Bible says in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. 
and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou lie down, and when thou risest up. God has designed our faith to be passed from generation to generation. In the Bible, in 1 Samuel chapter number 1, Hannah prayed for her child. And she said, for this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I have asked of him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. And as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. And so dedicating our children to the Lord is an act of worship. We give our children to the God that gave them to us. Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple in Luke chapter number two. And Paul reminded Timothy that from a child, he had been taught his most holy faith from his mother and his grandmother, one generation to another. And so as I've said, and I think every baby dedication I've ever done, that this is not really as much a baby dedication as this is a parental dedication. Brother Ethan and Sister Anna are pledging themselves, dedicating themselves to raise Mila Quinn in the most holy faith. Paul said, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The way we live our lives before our children will either provoke them to serve God or provoke them to rebel against God. Everything we do matters. And so Ethan and Anna have come this morning with their family to dedicate this baby, understanding that they have a promise from God. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so if, it, if it's your intention today to present Mila Quinn Tucker to the Lord and to pledge yourselves to bring her up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, I want you to answer, we do, to the following promises. I almost can't wait to get through this because I get to hold her. She's looking at me. I'm better from a distance. Do you here this day recognize that this child is the gift of God and give heart thanks, heartfelt thanks for God's blessing? Do you here on this day dedicate this child to the Lord who gave her to you? Do you promise to give this child every possible benefit of home, school, and church and to protect and to provide for her? Do you ask God's blessing upon her life to guide, guard, and direct her through all of her years? Do you promise to always raise this child in the truth of God's holy word, putting the Lord first in all matters? And now the most important, do you promise to live an example of faithfulness, holiness, and virtue before this child in such a way that your words and actions do not conflict? This is the best part. And there's a good chance she's gonna cry. And there's a better chance that it's not going to bother me. Come here, sweetheart. She's smiling. She's smiling. I said she's smiling. 
Lord Jesus, God, we come to you today. We thank you for this beautiful baby girl. And the children that open the womb, they are the heritage of the Lord. This is your child. This is your baby. God, when she was born, you had a plan for her. There's a God-ordained destiny for this child. And God, I pray for Brother Ethan and Sister Anna, for their family and for this church family and for me as a pastor to bring your dream for her to fruition through training and teaching and encouraging. God, that your hand would be upon this child, that she will fulfill your God-given purpose for her life. God, I pray your protection over her. God, I ask you to let the angel of the Lord be with this child every day of her life. God, to be a hedge against the enemy. God, to touch her mind, her heart, her soul. God, I pray, let this baby love worship and let her love prayer and let her love holiness and let her love your people and let her love your work. Give her a love for this truth and a faithfulness and a determination to serve you and to reach others. Help her, God, as she grows to be a disciple, to be a follower of you. And God, help her to be a soul winner, to make disciples and to serve in your kingdom. God, I pray that you would give her a drive to be active and involved in the church. God, to find her calling in ministry and to fulfill it. I pray, God, for your hand upon Ethan and Anna. I pray, God, that you would give them strength and anointing. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you would give them the wisdom that they need. God, I pray you give them peace to understand that this child's in your hands. And God, we plead your blood over this child's life and over Ethan and Anna in their home. In the name of Jesus, God, we thank you. We dedicate this child to you all the days of her life for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Right here. I need, I need something. I'll go up there and grab my phone. I need to do a selfie. victorious, you'll be victorious. Amen. Give this baby and his family a great hand. Amen. Remember the meal in the, in the S&P Wilson Center now. Bring your tithes to the storehouse. Be free at 5, prayer at 6, church at 6.30 tonight. God bless you. Never ending the same God.